Welcome to another edition of the WSL edition of the Football Engine podcast. I'm your host, Christian, as always. Um, in this episode, we will go through match day six uh, of the WSL, another very interesting match day. Uh, and to do so today, I'm joined by Arsenal fan Adam Salter. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Uh, pleasure, pleasure to have you. Uh, great to have you on as a guest. Um... So I think without further ado, we should just jump straight into the first game, shall we? Sounds good. So the first game of the match week was Aston Villa versus Chelsea. Um, Chelsea ended up winning 1-0. Uh, pretty, you know... Tight yeah. affair in a yes. way. Yes. With Chelsea having a, with making a lot of rotations yet again. Mm-hmm. So, Adam, how do you think that worked out for them this time? Well, obviously, it's three points um, which they need um, with the way you know they're they're sort of starting on the back foot in the league this season um, because of the you know opening day defeat to Arsenal. Um, and I think it's it's very interesting um, because we're so used to Chelsea just turning up and you know winning these games you know with the firepower they've got you know with Harder um, and, and England and Cuthbert. But one thing I've noticed with Chelsea this season is is an attack um, when they haven't started Kerr and Kirby, um, they've looked very lacklustre. Um, you know, this isn't the first sort of uh, performance where they've sort of scraped through. You know, think back to their uh, home win against Leicester. Um, Leicester were able to hold them off for over 80 minutes um, until you know, they finally succumbed. Um, and again, you know, against Aston Villa, they, you know, they only managed to get the one goal. Now, my understanding of the game is that they were pretty much dominant throughout um, Aston Villa didn't really get you know chance to um, have an opportunity themselves. I think you know until the end, um, but they they're quite blunt. I think they hit the bar a few times, but didn't get any more goals. It was just Jesse Fleming's goal difference. Um, when you flip it back over, and when they start Kerr and Kirby like they did against, uh, and I'm sorry to say Manchester United, um, they look rampant. Um, so there's this really interesting sort of um, sort of two facings to them of, of you know, Kerr Kirby and Sands Kerr Kirby. And I know why she's obviously resting in Mema Hayes is because it's got the Champions League. And as we all saw in the Champions League, um, they were at their electric best. I mean, Servette had absolutely no chance whatsoever. They were, they were just blown away by them. But I think it's, it is interesting that they, um, if you look at Arsenal, for example, uh, which I'm sure we'll come to later, um, Jonas Ardevel has rotated the likes of Miedemar out of the squad, um, Heath very recently out of the squad. Um, in Europe, Beth was put on the bench, as was McCabe, and the team didn't look any different. 
um, I was at the Arsenal game when they played Spurs in the FA Cup and we had Medium on the bench and we had no need to take her off the bench and bring her into the fray. We were just 1-5-1. So I do think that aspect of Chelsea is very interesting um, and it's certainly probably one to keep an eye on as the season progresses. You know, Annoyingly, Chelsea did get three points um, with a very well-taken goal by Fleming. But if, if they can't um, win games without Kerr and Kirby, I mean, they lost the opening game of the season to Arsenal, not starting Kerr and Kirby. And, you know, they, they looked very, very lacklustre then. Um, so, yes, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, on the flip side of Aston Villa, um, it's a defeat, but it's a very credible one. You know, they, they were able to hold off Chelsea for long periods. I think Carla Ward's done a, a brilliant job with them this season. And um, they look to be improving upon their uh, um, sort of relegation battle last season. They, they look like they could be a solid mid-table side coming into the season, and that's really good to see. Yeah, definitely. I think um, you mentioned the Leicester game uh, where Chelsea just straight by and struggled, really struggled, struggled to score. Uh, it's the same premises for for this game that they they rotated a lot, and I feel like. Um, they just look very disjointed when they do rotate like five, six players from their, mm. their first first eleven. And especially if you take out Kerr and Kirby, they, they just doesn't look they just don't look the same in uh, in going forward. Um but as you said they were uh very dominant in terms of ball possession and they had all the chances because Aston Villa basically just parked the bus and tried to, to scrape a draw. Uh they almost succeeded, but as you said, Jesse Fleming took a very well-taken goal. Um, indeed, indeed, indeed it was, yeah. So, uh, speaking of Jesse Fleming, she got another goal and is in pretty good form at the moment. Mm. Um, what do you think about her form and should, do you think she should be starting more often for Chelsea? Um, yes, because she she was signed this summer, wasn't she? She was one of the one of the few oh, signings no, they maybe last last before last, last season. Oh, it was before last season. Okay, apologies. Um, yes, I think well, she's in form. I think she deserves a start. Um, the the problem is with Chelsea is um, who do you drop? Um, do you drop harder? Um, her? They're both in good form as well. Um, we've already we've already been proven that dropping Kerr from the side, mass, as well as Kirby, massively impacts the attack. So um, it's a conundrum. It's certainly a conundrum for Emma Hayes. It's a nice one to have. Um, no matter which way she shuffles the team, a big striker will be left on the bench. Um, at the moment, that's mostly been Beth England, um, which is a shame for her. Um, but I think I think it's Jessie Fleming now. She's off the mark. Um, I think we'll get more opportunities for Chelsea. If, if I'm reading the way that Emma Hayes is sort of playing this season, I think Jesse will play more in the league. Um, and then the likes of Kerr and Kirby will play more in Europe. I think that is where, um, obviously, she's changing, obviously Emma Hayes is changing for the league, but I think her, her focus is Europe, which is understandable considering how um, <clears throat> traumatic uh, last season's European final was against Barcelona. So I, I think... That might be where she's. That's why she's heavily resting Kerr and Kirby, and she's. I think she's going all in for Europe this season. Um, but I think Fleming will get chances definitely, and um, you know if she shows strong enough form in the league, we might see her uh, a bit more in Europe as well. Yeah, and I also think it's it's easier to play Fleming when Harder has been out with a with a small injury. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. So yeah. Um, 
finally about this game uh, uh, Aston Villa with as I said a very clear game plan plan of just sitting back uh, in a 5-4-1 and trying to just hit Chelsea on the counter attack with Alicia Lehman up front mm-hmm. um, they kind of ju- they kind of managed to get the ball up to her but they were just so far back that so few players uh, joined in so yes. she was left alone mm. um, but yeah I think it was just a very commendable performance from Aston Villa. I mean, they, they executed their game plan and they almost succeeded. Mm. Uh, and they, they they looked good this season, to be fair. A lot better than what I expected of them. Absolutely. They're, 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 um, they've stepped up and that's really good to see because the, the last thing you want to see is promoted teams going straight back down. You know, we want them to stick around and cement themselves and Build no, the Aston Villa have got a big fan base. So the longer they can stay in the league, the more fans we can bring to the game. So um, no, it is positive. To see, it's positive to see that they are the club's obviously backing them. Um, they are improving, um, and um, long may it continue. I mean, we we've obviously already been there this season. We went to play them at Villa Park, and they were they did very well to um, hold us off until half time. Obviously, went a bit wrong for them in the second half, and McCabe scored one of the goals of the season. Um, but very, very commendable. And, um, you know, they were unlucky against Chelsea, but I think they might cause a few other teams a few more problems um, as the season progresses. So um, certainly one to look out for. Definitely. Um, so let's talk about another team that's, that we, we, we should be uh, on the lookout for, and that's Brighton. They played Everton in... Sean Luke was their first WSL game, game in charge of Everton since being appointed. Mm. Um, that didn't really go to plan for them as they lost 1-0 at home. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what did you think of Everton's performance? Um, Everton, well, I only really saw sort of the, the brief highlights of that game because it was I don't think it was televised. Um um, and I think when you see the result, you can sort of see sort of why, because it was a, I think it was a wheeling with the winner for Brighton, I think it was, in, in uh, from a car to cross. Um, it's, yeah, it's not a good start for Everton. Um, they they obviously dispensed um, with Willie Kirk's services just um, just as the international break started, um, which, uh, you know, he's, he's done a good, he's done well at Everton over the last few years and getting him to an FA Cup final, beating Chelsea on the way. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive, but I think that the problem he had was that yes, he's a stable manager, but he was never going to be a world class manager. He's not, he was not going to he was not going to ever take um, Everton into Europe. So I, you know they've obviously changed managers, they've invested heavily, um, and uh, I think it's going to take a while for that to click. I don't think they're going to get into Europe this season. Um, they've obviously brought in. I think it was was it from Leon that this coach has come from. Was it this the ex Leon manager? Is that right? Yeah, he he was sacked in April uh, from from Lyon after <laughs> um, after winning the Champions League twice with them, I think. Yeah, so he's he's got European pedigree, and there's no two ways about that. You know, the, the, the stats speak themselves. Um, so he knows sort of well. He's got to get get them into Europe first. So there's no denying Everton's ambition, which is fantastic. Um, and they've you know invested money, which is great. They've now got a great coach in theory. You know, with you. Got European success, which is great. It, it's just now about um, cobbling all those pieces together into a into a into a, a team that can compete at the top, because that's what they wanted. They want to break the top three. Um, I, I just think that's going to take a bit bit longer. Um, 
on the flip side, Brighton, um, I'm absolutely amazed by. I, I, I really do like, I mean, I'm from Kent, so I do have a, you know, from the southeast of England, I do have a bit of a soft spot towards Brighton. Um, and um, no, really, really impressive what they're doing um, with Hope Powell. It's an absolute legend. Um, would it be following women's football if it wasn't for what she did with England? Um, so I'll be very, forever grateful for that. Um, and they're doing, yeah, she's doing some some marvellous work with them. And with the way things have gone with Man City this season, there's a there's a spare chair at the top of the table um, for third place. And um, don't be surprised if Brighton do the incredible and and, uh, and get it. I mean, they're the only, they were the only team to beat Chelsea in the league last season. They're not to be underestimated. And they did very well to hold us off in the FA Cup um, the other week. So um, yes, one to uh, one to look out for there. Um, yeah, I I just think like you can see that Everton haven't clicked yet. No. I mean they they brought in so many players and they they're still searching for kind of the right uh, eleven and yeah. Yeah. maybe tactics and just get them to click really. And I think you could also see in the, very clearly in this game that they they just didn't manage to get things going i didn't feel like they created much and they were just kind of dull yeah well that's the thing with these things yeah it's all a good buying you know 10 11 12 players but buying players doesn't guarantee you success if you flip over to the men's team you see all the time with clubs saying we got we're showing ambition we're going to buy these many players and they're going to change everything and and it never never quite happens um you know there has to be thought behind the process of buying players and uh, i don't know if there was so much Everton. Um, they've been guilty of doing that in the men's team as well for quite a few years, just, just buying players, usually by the name rather than whether they fit into a, a comprehensive sort of system. So, um, yes, maybe their summer business was a bit gung-ho. Um, we'll let's see how the season progresses. Um, they obviously, you know, they want everything. The, the owners want the women's team to do well. It's just whether their um, efforts are maybe slightly misguided. We shall see. Yeah, I just also think one problem is that uh, they, they try to integrate all the players at the same time rather yes. than just uh, taking one or two into the starting 11 and then and yes. go from there with the rest. So that's part of it. Um, speaking of Jean-Luc Buzzer, uh, what do you think he needs to do going forward and do you think he will be successful at Everton? Um a good question yes i mean the, the the obvious thing is he needs to get them um, winning um i mean that's the that's the problem i mean they're at the, they're at the wrong end of the table so far um he needs to get them best defensively um in in the uh the games that willie kirk lost i mean he, he did get a willie kirk had a bad opening you know hand you know having to play man city and chelsea and arsenal in his opening you know, few games of the season but they were so poor defensively and so badly organised. Um, I mean, Man City, we've seen how badly Man City have been this season, but they were able to rack up four goals relatively easily against um, Everton, um, Chelsea likewise. So you'll need to be, the first thing you need to make them do is make them tough, make them tough to, de- um, uh, to play through, make them defend. Um, and then upon that rock, um, build um, a team that can attack um, and yeah, if, they want, if he wants them to challenge the higher order, which I think whatever to want them to do, then they'll need to be more than just a team that you know does sit deep in defence. They'll need to be able to play a bit as well. 
So once he gets the defence right and gets them solid and can start picking up points against the other teams in the league, um, not the top three teams, but you know the likes of maybe Spurs and and um, Brighton and well Brighton obviously, but um, West Ham, um, other teams in the league, uh, and then upon that get his attack sorted, then maybe they can challenge. But it won't be this season, as far as things, um, as I believe. Probably, um, probably maybe next season or the season after, but. You know, it depends if Everton keep him around. Um, so there's plenty for him to do. Yeah, I think so too. Um, just he needs to get uh, find a system that that suits the team. Yes. And then, yeah, as you said, build from the back really, which is what what you probably should do from the start. Have a good foundation and stuff. Yes. I mean, if you, if you look over to the men's team, if you look at Arteta, the main thing Arteta did with our Arsenal men's team is got the got the team organised and and structured and defence you know defensively sorted first, and no one can deny he's done that. Uh, and now he's improving the attack, and now maybe we're seeing the the improvements there as well. But obviously, you know, long way to go there. Yeah. Um, as for Brighton, you probably pretty much covered yeah. uh, everything. Um, very impressive start to the season, apart from just that one slip up against Aston Villa. Which was kind of a game you you'd expect them to win, mm-hmm. uh, but once again, I think you can just see how they are a very solid side. Uh, they don't uh, concede many chances. They're very well organized, and they have these individual players that will cause a lot of problems. Uh, I think you could you could also see that for the goal. It was a pretty well worked move yeah. down the right, and then a good cross in. Uh, but apart from that, it was just a very tight game really I thought mm. both teams kind of nullified each other's threats um, mm. now, really Bri- well Brighton will pick up a lot of points against um, the teams outside of the, the top three um, you know they, they they are very well drilled very well set up and they've got some good players um, in there as well you know like Dan Carter um, and, and Kagman so um, no all all good on, on, on the Brighton front um, and it would just be a case of them hoping getting more um, more scouts in the future. Um, so I think if they can get a bit more flair in the t- at the top of the pitch, because um, that was their problem in the FA Cup when they played us, they were defensively strong against us, but they didn't really offer much in attack at the other end. So that will be their next, um, I reckon, port of call. Um, but they could be the um, they could be a real challenger maybe next season or the season after certainly. Yeah. Um, I think we should move on to a team that um, is very annoying at the moment. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you kind of expect them to to challenge for top three? But and once they had not the worst start to the season, I can't say I've been that impressed. Mm. Uh, it's uh, my team, uh, Manchester United. They played Tottenham mm-hmm. away. Uh, the game finished 1-1 after a very late equaliser from Rio Percival. Mm. Uh, a direct free kick just going straight in uh, from the, like almost the halfway line. Mm. Um, um, I'll, I want to get your kind of views and thoughts uh, f- before we jump into talking about the game. Yes. Uh, but what have you made of Mark Skinner's Manchester United side so far? Well, yeah. I mean, it's... Yeah, and it, it, it's interesting because last season Manchester United had one of the 
finest young up and coming managers in women's football in Casey Stoney. Um, yeah, she was incredible. With what she, you know, taking that club from where it was to very nearly um, getting it into Europe. You know, there was a time when they were top of the league. Um, you know, she, you know, they were helped by the um, introduction of the likes of um, Heath and Press, but they were playing some really good stuff and only bad luck you know, with injuries um, and just that drop of form near the end um, sort of scuppered it for them. So whoever was going to come in after her when she decides to leave, um, you know, huge expectations to fill, um, huge shoes to fill, huge, you know, people want them to you know, be in Europe. They expect that. They expect that Man United will be challenging for the league because they did it last season. They expect them to be in contention for the top three. And they went with Mark Skinner. Um, it, he's no doubt he's a good manager I mean I, we actually mentioned this on Twitter um, he is I don't think he's a bad manager at all I just think that Man United is just a step up too high for him um, I think the last time he was in the WSL he was with um, uh, Bir- uh, Birmingham and he was you know they had a very they ran a very good ship at Birmingham they yeah, made things difficult for the, uh, the bigger teams um, I remember when we won the league in 2018-19 you know we they came to us and, you know, it took us deep into the second half for us to eventually overcome them and a late goal at their at their place to actually, well, it was to qualify for Europe, but on the way to win the league. So they were very well run. Um, and then um, he's come back and I just think he's, he, I, was, I think he said he's like an underdog sort of manager. He's not a manager that's going to take Man United on the front foot and, and take on teams. I think, and we saw that, I think, with Chelsea, the way they were just sort of sliced apart. Um, Man City, down to 10 players, and yet still were able to get a point from that. You know, Man United didn't really play until the last sort of 15, 20 minutes. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Man United will get into Europe um, under his stewardship. But then again, with Man City um, imploding... Um, in what's turning into a car crash of a season, um, he might they might just be able to get in by default um, if they're just consistent enough. So it remains to be seen. But when the announcement was made, um, I was sort of slightly relieved because I thought that's that's a, a regressive um, choice of manager um, compared to what you know the ambition that Casey yeah. Tony was showing. So we'll wait and see. He hasn't managed to get, um, I think he, he drew against uh, Man City and lost against Chelsea. We've got to go to um, Lee Valley um, at the end of the month. That's going to be interesting um, to no, see. No, it's not. We're going to get smashed so, well, so badly. Well, I don't know. We, we lost last season and that was sort of the beginning of the end for the for the, um, the Joe Montemurra era. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But... Um, no, that that's I think is the sort of the last sort of mark. If we can win, then we'll come to ourselves later. But that's one of the games I think. If we can win that one, that's a massive three points towards you know getting into Europe and hopefully the title. Um, as for the game itself, can um, we wait with that? Yeah, sure. Before, well, yeah, because sure. I just I mean I think if you look at them, I mean you have they have eleven points from from six games, which yeah. isn't. It isn't bad, but no. I, I feel like that point tally gives kind of a false picture in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at kind of the performances, because I, I, as a fan watching this team week in week out, I just don't think they played a single good game. Uh, they're, not, they're not exciting, are they? No, they're very, very slow, mm. very boring. 
Mm. They create very few chances. Uh, I think the only good spells they had was the second half against Reading in the opener, and then the second half against Leicester uh, the game after. I thought that those halves, they kind of looked more free-flowing. Uh, but in general, it's very it's very possession-based, but they don't move the ball quick enough to break down low blocks, uh, and they are not defensively solid enough to, to sit back against the bigger teams. No, um, no. Well, when they played Man City, in the derby, it was obviously an incredible event. Um, but um, the, the only time they looked really good um, was the when they scored their second goal to go 2-1 up. And you saw that and you thought, right, yeah, this is this is a this is free flowing, this is exciting, this is attacking, this is yeah, Manchester United. This looks good. And then they bottled it. Um so I don't know if it's maybe that it's simply there is a good team there and it and it hasn't quite it's yet to sort of blossom, but it will happen in time and suddenly it'll it'll click and then suddenly Mark Skinner is this this brilliant manager and he's got this brilliant free flowing attacking, or is it just is it just more that Mark Skinner is, is repressing um, the the talent that is there with his managerial style of a slower possession based game. Um, we'll have to see it as as the season plays out. Um, I mean, I do have doubts over Man United's commitment to the women's team. There were sorry, there were articles last season about the way you know some of the, the facility the women had and and things had to do with, and that was some of the reasons why Casey resigned. So um, yes, I don't think I think. Man United will keep Mark Skinner to the end of the season and um, it will just have to see if they can get third place or not. Um, I think they will, they will, they came fourth last season. I think they could finish fourth this season, but without all the thrills and excitement that, that came um, last season. Um, so let's just move on to the game. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was a very long discussion about Mark Skinner. Really, yeah. but- Let's uh, just talk about this particular game. What did you make so, of United's performance? So this was the long-awaited, uh, certainly in my eyes, um, Skinner Derby. Um, yeah. <laughs> so as it shall be, as it shall be known. Um, yes. Yeah, so it was again. It wasn't really a, a, a thriller minute game, but there was just one. There was well two, but one was a bit slightly the other. But one moment of quality, um, major boy, uh, and that was in the first half with um, with Russo's goal. Um, which um, was brilliant, um, a real piece of individual magic, um, and um, yes, a real talent. Hopefully, we can see more of her because I think she's had issues of injuries um, in, in recent times. So it'd be great to see see more of her in the WSL. And it looked that like that will be enough. Um, but then, <laughs> like against Man City, um, they they um, they shot themselves in the foot. Um, I mean, the, the free kick. From the halfway line, yes, you can say it's, it's genius, but it's for me, it's it's a defensive um, mess because no ball should ever be allowed to bounce in the in the penalty area like that. I don't blame Erps. Erps is a fantastic keeper. Nothing you could do about that. And you know, um, and it just you know, it's back to the drawing board. That's two points thrown away, two valuable points against a team that is roughly level with them at the moment. Um, I mean, full credit to Spurs, didn't give up. And and got you know a last minute equaliser that will do them more confidence, um, and especially with their save right at the death. I mean you know Man United almost pulled out the bag um, um, in Fergie time, but uh, no, um, I think that's a point that does a lot more for Spurs than it does for Man United. Um, and if, if Man United have real 
strong intentions of doing well this season. You can't be dropping two points um, to Spurs and in that manner. Um, so, yes, it's a shame, really, because if they had one, we'd be talking about Russo's goal a lot more. And it deserves, you know, talking about because I thought it was it was brilliant. Um, but instead, we're talking about a, a freak free kick from the halfway line. So that, that's how it's gone, unfortunately. Yeah, before I just go into my usual usual long rant about the, the performance, <laughs> I'd like to make it quite uh, make a point about the goal Spurs scored. Mm. Uh, and that was well. First of all, I didn't think it was a foul. Uh, right. Okay. It, it looked very soft. Uh, but from a defensive perspective, uh, from uh, for for United, I, I thought their their defensive line was very deep. Uh, I thought they could have. Uh, set the line higher uh, and not kind of allow uh, runners uh, in behind the defense. Uh, so that was the first thing. And the second thing is uh, really just really poor communication between the two center backs, Maria Thoris out there and Aoife Mannion. Uh, I think you can see that they're, they're both in kind of the line of the ball or the, the ball goes past both of them. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think any of them knew uh, who was going to clear it. Uh, so they just left it and then it went through. No, you should, you should never. You should, in those situations, you don't pass the buck. You you take control and, and you head it. Um, yeah. And and that's and that's all we need to do. It was just one last free kick. You know, the keeper got up everything. It was like all we need to do was win the first ball. And the moment you you say no, that's yours. That's it. You're, you're yeah. done. And and um, no, that that's very poor. And that's obviously more for Mark to uh, to work on on the training ground. Um, but yeah, that's how football goes sometimes. Yeah. So as for my thoughts on the performance, I thought it was in general really poor once again. Mm. Um I didn't think I didn't feel like they had any control of the ball and no composure when they got it. Uh so when United got the ball it was just a lot of long balls really. Uh, yeah. And they didn't never really looked comfortable with the ball, so it was just long balls or very panicky on the ball. Um uh, second point I'd like to make is that mid- the midfield of uh, Kelly Salom and Hayley Lag was, was really flat. Uh, I think when you play both of them, neither of them move forward uh, when United have the ball uh, to kind of cause an overload centrally and, and cause disruption in, in the opposition's shape, defensive shape. Yeah. Uh, so when Kelly Salom did, uh, Kelly Salom did it a few few times in this game. Uh, but when she did it, she didn't really find any space and she didn't throw for a ball. So it was just pointless, really. Um, and again, they they were just slow in possession. Uh, a lot of touches, uh, very sideways and backwards. Uh, and as I said, a lot of random long balls, which very was very inaccurate for the most part. Mm. Uh, I, can, I think you can also see that United have very little penetration. Um, they lack move, movement, and uh, their attacking players were just very easily picked up by by Spurs. Uh, very isolated, and they kind of just got lost in the well. They, they've in the, scored in the defensive shape. They've scored very little goals this season, um, Man United, um, which, which is worrying. Um, the, the lack of creativity. Um, I mean, like I said, I think there are. They think there's a lot of reliance on individual quality. Over a team, sort yeah. of amazing. I mean, we think back to the Reading game. There was, it was, I think, it was Battle who scored that that wonderful goal against Reading. But that was sort of, I mean, and I think two in the first half. But there was just it's moments like that. It's like Battle scores like Russo's goal. 
it's it, it there's more moments of that and and not much of a sort of a team working together to to win the uh, to win the game. And I, I call back to the derby. Man City were down to ten players. Man United should have been dominating them for the entire match, and they weren't. In fact, Man no, City... it was it was the opposite, really. Yeah, I Man mean, City... they let they let Manchester City play despite being one yeah. player. They actually improved. That's the thing. Man City improved. They they got better, and that if you, if you, that can't happen in football. So, no, that there is a, a lack of initiative taken. I think by Manchester United, and that feeds into my belief that I think Mark Skinner is is a more conservative coach. He's you know, like I said, an underdog sort of coach. He's 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 more of a you know defend first, and and then maybe see if we can get a goal. Um, when you flip it over to again to Arsenal, we look at Idaval, which is all about pressing and attacking, attacking and pressing and forcing the mistakes and getting goals. Mark Skinner's not like that, and I um, I don't think that that will play well. I don't think you you know in terms of excitement. I don't think that's going to um, entertain the crowd, shall we say? No, I mean like against Tottenham. I mean they were just completely unable to 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 find any way through. Uh, they didn't set up their attacking players in any dangerous situation or good attacking position. Uh, and Leah Goldman and Kirsty Hansen, who I believe are very talented wingers, mm. they were just mm. not involved at all. Uh, and I think that's very worrying because under Casey Stoney, the wing play was a big part of United's attack. Yeah. Uh, but now they're just not involved or getting into any good positions. I mean, they don't set them up in 1v1s. They very rarely cross. They're just nowhere uh, to be found in the games, Mm. really. Um, And as you said about Skinner, I think one boring fact for me is that he himself talked to MUTV before before the game, as he always does in Mm. the pre-match interview. Uh, And he identified them as uh, correctly, may I add, as a compact, well-structured and defensively solid team. Um, that's what I did as well before the game. But my big problem is that he showed no idea on how to break them down throughout the game. Yeah. Uh, and to me, in my opinion, that's just a sign of a manager that's that's not got a clue really and doesn't know what, what to do. Uh, no. <clears throat> that's practically he's... inept. No, because he's he's used to being on the other side. He's used to being like you know being the well structured defensive side like Spurs were. That that's that's his sort of way of playing. I, I believe. Um, I don't think he's ready to be a. Pro- he's not. A, I don't think he sees himself as a proactive manager. Maybe he does, but certainly the way the, the teams play, they don't play proactively. They're not the ones taking initiative and and, dom- and pressing the teams in and hemming them in and dominating them and looking for the cracks in the defence. Um, that's not how they're playing, and um, that, that's that's a shame. I mean, I'm grateful because it means we're, we're we're you know higher up in the league. But um, for the for the for the bigger picture for Man United, it's it's not good. Yeah, I think you can also see that in the way United press. Uh, they press really uh, intensely and high under Casey Stoney, but absolutely, you you just don't see that anymore. No, well, um, their pressing was what undid us when we went to the Lee Valley last yeah. season, and it was it completely wiped us out, and it, and it highlighted that Arsenal in the in the previous stewardship couldn't play the high press, and and Stone exploited that, and it was fantastic. But no, we haven't. I don't think we've seen a return of that, um, and and that's yeah, it's, it's a shame. I think I think it's bad when me as a fan can tactically outclass Mark Skinner. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's I feel that says a lot about him. Um, 
Yeah, no, I'm just going to mention yeah. that uh, <laughs> before the Chelsea game, I just identified all the problems that happened. Are you uh, throwing a hat in the ring? Are you? Uh, are you... Yeah, I, I am. <laughs> I actually think I would do a better job than him. It starts now. We'll, we'll put put your name in, and uh, we'll get this trending on Twitter, and you'll be the uh, the new Manchester United manager by the new year. We'll, we'll... Yeah, and the I don't rev- even have the revolution starts now. <laughs> yeah, and I don't even have coaching badges, but I would still, still hey, do a better job. Even if uh, Phil Neville had no coaching experience and he managed England, so you know what, what's what's that mean? <laughs> um, okay, so. Uh, just briefly talking about Spurs, how, Spurs, how impressed have you been by them so far? Well, I, I, I can't say too much being an Arsenal fan, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but in, in, from, from a neutral perspective, um, very impressed. Um, you know, I think it's great that Spurs are in the league because it means we get to indulge in a bit of you know North London derbies. Like the one this weekend, buy your tickets, go to the Hive, it's going to be great. Um, yes, I, I think they've done very well under... under the other Skinner. <laughs> and, the better Skinner. <laughs> yes, well, indeed, indeed. The, the, the great, the greater Skinner. And um, no, I think, um, that, yeah, because she, she came in, I think it was middle of last season. And I think the, the real eye-opener was them going to Manchester City and getting the win with a helping hand um, from both the officials and the players. Um, but it just, I think they are, again, they're set up defensively, um, secure, looking to, you know, Try, try and you know get a point against the bigger teams. Uh, you know, winning against the ones around them. I think they could be along with Brighton. I think they could maybe be one that could challenge for third um, if Man United don't pick up the pace um, and Man City still struggle. But I think that's another one. A great thing about like with Villa, um, a team that's come up and cemented themselves in the league, and a good stable mid-table finish for them would be great. Um, and then upon that they can build and improve themselves. But no, very very impressed with um, with Skinner. Um, I think they, you know, it's great to see that they've improved. And um, I just hope they don't improve too much uh, because um, because obviously, yeah, obviously we're playing them the weekend. We want to beat them. Um, but no, for for the league, it's very good to see. Very positive to see. Yeah. For some reason, these uh, segments of United games uh, always gets very long. <laughs> Can't uh, think why. <laughs> uh, anyways, I think it's it's time to move on to Birmingham versus Reading. I mean, mm. um, Reading with their with back to back three 0 wins as yes. they won three 0 this game. Do you think they've turned their season around after a really really poor start? Yes, much was made of this. Um, they they had a bit of a, a, a bad opening hand, shall we say, a bit like Everton. You know, they they played all the big teams and, and you know and Man United uh, and didn't and didn't get anything from them. Obviously, you know, lost the opening game, lost to us. Um, but I don't think they were ever in any real danger. Um, you know, they're very well run, and Kate James done a great job with them. And um, now they're playing the, the games they would be expected to win, shall we say, like Birmingham. Um, they're winning and winning quite comfortably. Um, you know, they had um, Dowie, who's come in, Tasha Dowie. Great to see her back in the WSL on the score sheet. Um, and yes, I think a, I think a few more wins um, between now and Christmas, and they should be sufficiently clear um, of the drop. Um, and um, yes, I think an, another season of, of mid-table, another mid-table finish, um, I, I think will we'll beckon for them. Um, you know, they are 
They're a decently run outfit. They, they got a point of us last season when we were on a very low ebb, so they're not to be underestimated. Um, but yes, no, I think that their season's back on track, and they'll, um, I think they'll continue to to climb up to the table um, as as the games progress. Yeah, I think they. To be honest, I I didn't really feel like this was a three 0 game in a way because Birmingham had some moments going forward and Reading didn't have that many chances apart from their goals. Um, mm. But efficiency was obviously key for them and they managed to put three past Bir- Birmingham. So, yeah, they, they just ended up winning. Yeah, that was it. Just It came down to the simplicity of they took their chances. And that that, yeah. that is it. If you don't take your chances, Reading took theirs, however little they may be, and... Um, won it quite comfortably in the end and um, no, that will do them a world of good. So uh, what do you think has changed for, for Reading uh, after the first three four games? I don't think much has changed per se. I, I, I just simply think as they're now playing opposition of their their calibre, shall we say. that I don't think they were doing anything so drastically wrong. It's, it's just simply that the, you know, in the WSL there are games that the other teams know they've got a good chance of winning and then there are the other teams, the Chelsea's and the Arsenal's, the Man, U, the Man City's, we think, okay, you know, this might be a rough one. Um, you know, we'll, we'll try our best. We might get a point like they did obviously against Arsenal last season. Um, I, I just think simply that they are, the fixture list has been a bit kinder to them now and they can start picking up some points. Um, and that, that's something I think it is. Yeah, and I also think, I mean, confidence has probably something to oh, do absolutely. with it. Absolutely. I mean, they, they, they won their last game 3-0 as well and after a rough start. So uh, they would probably feel that they have some momentum now, um, which they, they could build up. And, and they did uh, against Birmingham. Um, uh, finally, uh, do you think Birmingham will survive relegation? And if so, how can they do it? Well, this is the thing. Just one of the things I've made note on is is Birmingham have... have you know they only just survived last season. Um, not not because they were brilliant, but but because Bristol were worse. Um, for me, at the beginning of the season, they were my tip to go down. Um, um, I think it's it's quite clear after the end of the. I mean, again, go back to sort of things. Carla Ward, who was the manager at Birmingham last season, you know, did wonders to keep them up um, with some help from a goal from Ruby Mace. Um, yeah, no, she, um, I think Birmingham, and they recruited, they got, I think it was Louise Quinn in. Yeah, so they got a good, solid defender in, in the summer, amongst other signings. And it just, um, yeah, I think they got one point so far this season, haven't they? And the only reason they're not in the relegation zone is because Leicester haven't won a game since coming up, which is a real shame. Um, I thought Leicester would do better. So if, if Leicester can pick up some form, I think Birmingham will fall for the trapdoor. Um you know, I think it's clear. I think it's quite clear the club didn't have the best, the best interests. I think there were some, like I said, articles raised um, about some issues the players had um, with, with the club and the way that, you know the, the facilities. I think I think there might be some issues with wages as well. Um, so yeah, I I think they are a club that is. It's just saying because they were a big club. You know, when Mark Skinner was there, they were up there at the top of the league. But I think they are coming to the end of. Um, their time in the WSL. If they don't go down this season, they'll be going down next season. Um, I think they've reached their expiration date, and and it's a shame. But um, yeah, no, they are another relegation battle for me. I'm afraid. Um, I think I mean, yeah, I think Man United. They held Man United off quite a while um, 
a few weeks ago, and even then, even then they succumbed. So um, yeah, I, I don't have much positivity for Birmingham, I'm afraid. Uh, well, let me try to be a little bit positive about them <laughs> in terms of that some of their performances have actually been quite decent. Mm. Uh, if you look at it from a defensive point of view. Mm. I mean, going forward, I think they're really struggling to to string good attacks together. Uh, they, they obviously try to, to counter on teams, but once again, I think one problem is that they just sit back far, too far, so they don't have the players uh, coming forward in time. Uh, to help out, I thought it was better against Reading that they actually managed to 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 move some players forward, and they 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 had some some decent moments, as I said. But uh, they they just need to to work on that if they they're going to have any chance. Yeah, if, if they're gonna if they're gonna survive games like against Reading, those are the games they need to win, and, and they're at home. You know that if if they're, if they're not going to win those sort of games, um, they're going to really struggle. Um, so yeah, no, so sad, sad, sad to see, but I, yeah, I think they are, I think they are, they're going to be doomed unless of course, Leicester go the entire season without winning a single game. Um, <laughs> and, and so far we're doing a really good job of that. Yeah, so let's 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 talk about Leicester then. Yeah, I mean, nice they, segue there. <laughs> yeah, because uh, they played Manchester City at home at King Power Stadium uh, as they as they do these days, mm. Brilliant. and they lost four uh, one after 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 a shock start, really scoring within the first two minutes. Um, mm. They they didn't manage to hold on, and they still have zero points. Um, for me, I, I thought they would do better. Than, than, than this. So, are are you as surprised as me with their start? Very surprised. Um, I had quite high hopes for for Leicester. I thought that I didn't think they were going to storm up the league like like Man United did when they first arrived. Um, but I thought they might have you know managed to establish themselves a bit like Villa and Spurs have done. But it just hasn't happened. Uh, and it's not like they've recruited badly. I mean, they've brought Sigsworth in, uh, who's got the opener. Um, which um, you know, when I saw that come up on my Twitter feed, you know, did did raise an eyebrow, seeing Leicester lead against Man City, but that was more because Man City had gone behind against Leicester <laughs> more than anything. Um, it's yeah, it is a real shame. It's a real surprise. Um, it's difficult. I mean, they it's not like it's not for lack of fight. I mean, as we said earlier, they held off Chelsea for eighty plus minutes, and that would have been a really good point. Um, you know, coming into you know newcomers in the season, getting a point against against a champion that would have done them a world of confidence, a world of boost. But it hasn't happened, um, and you do worry as, as as the games go on and and the points don't come, how it affects the team, how it affects the confidence. Um, you, look at, um, you look at the club. I mean, they're ambitious. They're playing at the King Power Stadium, which is brilliant. Um, that's that's a really Big, and, they have, yeah. and they have pretty high attendances. I mean, yeah, they, so it's, I think it's they were over yeah. two thousand against City. That's yeah, and that's fine. again. That's that's brilliant. Two thousand. I mean, we only get about a thousand on a good day at Meadow Park. Um, so yeah, you know, getting two thousand people in a stadium consistently, brilliant. So the fans are behind the team. The 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 management of the club are behind the team. It's just not happening on the pitch. Um, I do hope they can turn it around. Maybe they can bring in some players in at you know, during the uh, during the winter transfer window, but um, as long as Birmingham are in touch, 
um, they've got a chance of getting out of there. They just need a few wins. The, the problem, of course, now is that no team... This is going to sound really nasty. No team wants to be the team that give that is the first team to be defeated by Leicester. You know, there's a bit of an ignominy there. You know, oh, you know, Leicester beating everyone. We're the first ones to lose to them. We're the first ones to get a point taken off of them. So, you know, teams are going to be sort of more aware of that in, in my eyes. But I hope Leicester can come back. I hope Leicester can get a few points on the board. I don't. It'd be awful to see them go back out with with. Um, Neil Poir, as they say in Eurovision, um, and as an Eng- as as a you know UK citizen, we, we know a lot about that. Um, so yes, much um, much worry there. Four um, one Man City. I think it's great they scored. Obviously, Man City's quality shone through um, because despite their season, they are a quality outfit. And you know, in the end, that's, that's quite a cruel scoreline. Four one. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of similar to Birmingham, although I. Like in the fact that they, 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 they don't. They're they're just struggling. Hmm. Um, I, I think though Leicester that they they have more going forward than Birmingham, hmm. um, and they they look better. Uh, so they're, they're, some of their performances have been have been actually good, like against Chelsea, for example. But they they're just struggling to get the results. I mean, we think back to opening, I think it was the opening day of the season. They played Aston Villa. They took the lead. And you just think if they could have just if they could have whole held on to that and, and beaten Villa in their opening game, that could have been a real springboard. But they, I think Villa came from behind and, and, and won it two one. I think it was their, I think it was actually the former Leicester captain or Leicester player who was playing for Villa got the winner. And yeah, just, Remy Allen. I yeah, think. yeah, exactly. So I just and I just feel that just just I don't say they haven't recovered from it, but I think that would have been a really good moment for them, a real sort of standout. We're here and we're you know we're, we're going to take the you know do well in this league and it just actually hasn't happened the party hasn't started they haven't had that click moment in the league um and you just yeah confidence wise the longer this goes on uh, the more they're just it's just going to sap away at them so i hope they can get something um maybe maybe it'll be this weekend you know it's the big women's women's football weekend maybe they can get um get the season up and running so um no hopefully hopefully things will improve for them um, so despite Leicester scoring <laughs> after two minutes, um, yes. Manchester City managed to, to turn it around and uh, and gain their first win in the league since the opening fixture. That's um, incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you think like this? You, do you think they they will be able to kick on from here? I mean, they have a really tough tough game against Chelsea this weekend. Well, uh, I. So it's kind of tough to keep on, really. <laughs> well, I hope I hope so because I'm hoping they're going to take some points off Chelsea, so then that will break our lead, hopefully even greater. Because I, I don't want to be in a position where we get to the new year, we go to Kings Meadow, and we're only three points ahead of Chelsea. So really need them to pick up some form sharpish. Um, it's been a disaster of a season, hasn't it, for Man City? Um, for, for a team that um, I think was one of the good things about Man City is that they have. Really, really been trying to invest in the into their team and, and push the you know standards. I mean, they look back into their past. They they plucked players from us um, and other teams because they were trying to be a you know proper professional outfit with with proper facilities. And they want they want to be the gold standard of women's football. They want to you know be the market, and it just hasn't happened this season. I think that's helped for a number of reasons. Um, I mean, the the big one that gets passed about is the injury crisis. Um, um, and as an Arsenal fan who's had two seasons worth, three seasons, I mean, we even won the league with injury crisis, but you know, two seasons where we've seasons have collapsed because of injuries. 
very difficult to have sort of sympathy there because even then we were able to sound, you know, we were able to perform well. They've had ridiculous injuries and have just sunk about a trace. Um, it's it's going to be a difficult season for them. Um, I think that Gareth Taylor, I, I have. I have little faith in him as a manager <laughs> and it sounds really mean but I just don't I don't see Man City progressing under him I mean you, you spoke about Mark Skinner and, and the way it's all about possession not many chances I, I feel that way with him as well I think there is too much of an emphasis placed on possession football over actually making chances um also what doesn't what doesn't work for him as well is that he said he's got no track record in women's football I think he came, I think he was an academy coach with the men's team, right? And he's came over to, to take over when Nick Cushing um, went to America. Um, I think last season he, you know, they started so last season, they were massively helped by the um, American contingent that came in, um, Sam Mears, who came in and, you know, really helped drive them forward with, you know, Hemp and um, Kelly on the wings. And, you know, were it up for a, 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 a late Katrin Berger save, Catching a burger save at the um, against Chelsea, they could have won the league. Um, but no, this this season's been a disaster for them, um, and uh, I, I think they're going to struggle. I think they might. I don't think they will go make Europe. I, I think they're too far behind. They might, as the injury's clear, the form may pick up, um, and I hope you know they, they can take something from Chelsea this weekend. But if you know we saw them in the FA Cup, and they didn't really put up much of a resistance to them, unfortunately. So. It's yeah, it's been a disaster. I think they probably will lose to Chelsea at the weekend. Unfortunately, um, I don't think we'll see the real Man City until the new year. By which time it may be too late. Um, so yeah, it's well, it, you never know. I mean, there yeah. are some other teams ahead of them that aren't exactly the greatest. No, DC Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, yes, yes. But I, I think Man United are in a better place than Man City. Um, it, a, because they've got a full, fully, I'd say fully fit team, a team that got, haven't got the injuries they have. And no matter what you may say about Mark Skinner, I think he is a more competent coach than Gareth Taylor. Um, not saying. Oh, that's that's close. <laughs> well, I, I Mark's what I say with Mark Skinner. Mark Skinner actually has experience in the women's football. You know, he. Yeah, okay, that's fair. That's, and that's what works in his advantage. I think if he's a more competent coach, I think Gareth Taylor, I think is out of his depth. For me, he's I, I get Phil Neville vibes off him. Um, I, I just I just think I don't think it's arrogance, but I think he. he I think it's an element where he thinks that yes, we're going to play this style of football that I want us asked to play, and that'll be good enough, and we'll win. And for me, that doesn't feel feel right. And it, I just, I just feels like he, he just feel a bit short for the game. It doesn't. The the appointment after Nick Cushing was critical, and there's an element of laziness by Man City in my eyes that they have just simply gone internal and just gone, yeah, we'll just promote them one of our academy coaches up to it. And it just feels they they see their women's team as nothing more than just like an academy team rather than a team that is should be treated in compa- comparable to their men's team. You know, when when um, Pellegrini left, they didn't just promote one of the under-21s and they got in the best in class. They got Pep Guardiola. And I feel with the women's team, they haven't done that. They've just helped oh, put another academy coach. And they didn't go out. They could have got a bright, young, um, up-and-coming women's coach, women's football coach who could bring attacking football, Jonas Ardival. Um, But they didn't. And I think that's that's going to hold them back. And that's a shame because they've got a really good setup there. Um, and I think with a better coach, 
and and maybe some you know some off it players they would do a lot better no i think just the biggest problem with Gareth taylor is that he has this very specific style mm. um, his plan a yes uh, but when plan a fails he doesn't have a plan b so so when plan A fails, they just end up standing in their positions and passing it sideways to each other uh, with no really attacking intent uh, or threat, really. They just look kind of out of ideas. Uh, but they actually managed to get plan A working against Leicester. I don't know if mm. that was because City were brilliant uh, or anything or if Leicester was just Leicester and being poor. Uh, but I do thought that they looked a little bit better this time. Yeah, I, they did. I mean, they scored four goals. They do look better. But I think, again, that, that has to be with the, the sort of caveat of the opposition they're facing. Um, and, yeah, and also and, individual brilliance from Lauren Hamper was just yeah, fantastic. And, and Kira Walsh with an absolute screamer. Um, a fa- fantastic goal from them. But you look at that and then you look at the side he put up against you know Arsenal, for example. I was there for the game couldn't believe how easy it was to play through them. And then I think after the game, I think Gavtier was talking about, he said, yeah, well, we know it's unlucky because, you know, we dominated possession, we dominated the ball and stuff. And and it just, you just, you're not seeing sort of the bigger picture. You know, possession doesn't win you points, you know. Um, yeah, it's all about taking chances. Thankfully in this game for them, they took the chances to, you know, actually had shots on goal. Um, I, I, I do feel against Chelsea, um, it is going to be a, a struggle for them. Um, but we shall uh, we shall wait and see. I think you find it easy to play through another Manchester team on, on <laughs> November twenty first. Well, uh, <laughs> we, shall, uh, we shall see. Uh, <laughs> well, let's move on to to the final game. You saved mm. the best for for last uh, oh, from your perspective. Well, absolutely. Um, Arsenal versus West Ham mm. uh, ended 4 0. Arsenal just keeps winning um, and winning and winning. <laughs> apart from, apart from Barcelona. Barcelona. Yes, <laughs> yeah. apart from Barcelona. Let's put that caveat in there. So, yes, Barcelona did beat us and they stopped us scoring more than uh, more than three or more goals. So, you know, fair play to them. Um, it's it's mad. Um, it, it's, uh, it's scary. Um, brilliant. But worrying, it, it, it's 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 very difficult to sort of know where to stand with this Arsenal team at the moment um, because <sighs> I went to the I went to the Emirates um, to watch the Chelsea game, magnificent occasion, and I went in there not expecting us to win. Uh, I thought we'd get a draw, you know, based on what happened last season. Um, but to come away with a win in the way we did it, I was like, okay, well. What is this team's ceiling? What what can it, we've beaten Chelsea? Okay, that's we haven't done that since like the dawn of time. Um, what is what is our team capable of? Um, you know how good are we? It's and because we've only just jumped on the Jonas Idevel train and we're, we're we're beating bogey teams. You know Chelsea came to uh, Chelsea Man City came to our patch. We win five 0 We think oh okay, we're, we're much better than Man City. Well, you know, okay, Man City has some injuries, so, you know, never mind. Um, maybe that yeah, affected it. You know, they've got Gareth Taylor as a manager. Um, but it's just, no, it's just win. It's win. And it's not just winning. It's thrashing. It's 3-0. It's 4-0. You know, in the Champions League um, the other night, it was 5-1. You know, winning 
and not just and it's not like under Joe um, under Joe Montemurro where it was a bit you know passing 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 you know tease the players out and then boom go and pass around and score. It's set pieces. It's long balls. It's direct. It's high pressing. Um, I mean, on the topic of high pressing, that's obviously Jonas Idevel's sort of main thing. It's the high press, the the quick turnover, catching the defensive out of shape and, and working through them. And the second goal that Little scored was that in a nutshell. It was it was Little and Paris pressing the West Ham defence. They tried to play out, quickly rotating the ball around, getting it back through to Little, defence is wide open, score. And it looks ridiculously easy. And it's really, it's really, it's great, but it's really strange um, and, and brilliant and worrying. Because I just don't, again, I don't, we not have, apart from the Chelsea game, um, in the league certainly, we haven't had a massive challenge where we've gone, oh, right, we're right at the ceiling of our capability. That's that's our line in the sand. Okay, right. This is where we need to improve. Because what happens is we go to Barcelona and we lose 4-1. And it's only in those games that happen once every two, three months where we see, right, okay, so we are defensively, we weren't great there, or our centre-back pairing, okay, there was a flaw there, we, we, we didn't communicate well. But then in, when we go back to the WSL the next day, it doesn't really matter because we'll just go in and we'll win three or four nil. And these all these issues get masked. Um, so, yes, I'm loving it. Uh, and uh, I, want the, I want the run to go on forever. But uh, as an Arsenal fan, I know better than most that glorious unbeaten runs don't last forever. Um, so there is obviously an element of looking in the fixture list and just thinking which is the, going to be the one that um, we trip up on. I'm hoping it's not Man United. Um, my gut, oh no worries. <laughs> my gut is that it will be Chelsea um, at Kings Meadow. I think Emma Hayes is was really stung by the the, the loss that she suffered against us. Um, you know, and also the manner of defeat. You know, because the goal was offside. Um, and I, I think she will be looking to, um, shall we say, correct that error in the new year. And I think she'll be looking to do us in the FA Cup final as well. Um, uh, that's going to be, again, a proper test for Arsenal, which would be good. Um, and then after that, we've got the Barcelona game, another proper test, which is good. Um, so, yeah, hope, hopefully this is a, a promising sign that we're going, you know, we could maybe get back and, uh, and win the league again because you know, we haven't won it since 20, um, 2018, 2019. So, um, no, very, very much enjoying the, the attacking football at the moment. Um, and then again, yeah, this West Ham match, we watched it. I was watching it in the, in the stadium. And um, the only frustrating thing about it was it just, we, we missed so many chances. It was almost laughable. Um, I don't know if you watched the game yourself. Oh, yeah, I'm watching every game. <laughs> yeah. I have to. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, it, was like, it was like the West Ham, it was like, it was like someone put like a plastic screen in the West Ham goal. Because no matter, I was watching, watching, watching balls come in and scrambles, and thinking, okay, the ball's going to go in the net, and suddenly it's back up the other pitch. And looking at the replays, and we're we're hitting woodworks, we're 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 just going wide of the post. And we're thinking, surely we're going, their goal's going to eventually come. And what came from Little, who is having a fantastic season, by the way. Um, so uh, yeah, no, watch the game, and it was uh, the second half. You picked where we left off, got the goals. Mead, brilliant goal. Little, brilliant goal, and. Unfortunately, it was an own goal at the end, which was, you know, a bit of a sort of a, a you know, trip up at the end, a bit of a fast at the end, which is a shame. I, I don't think West West Ham was sort of 4 0 losers. I would have said a 3 0 would have been a fair score line. You know, they did cause a few worries at the beginning of the game. Um, but yes, the, uh, the, the revolution continues. Um, no idea where it's going to take us, but long may it continue. 
Yeah, I mean, just as not an Arsenal fan, um, I we have a lot of those in in our, in the football engine team, so I talk to them a lot. Mm. Uh, but as a non-Arsenal fan, I, I just have to say uh, I'm just so impressed by by how how they're playing uh, and just how how good they are. I mean, <laughs> I don't see a way of stopping them really. <laughs> uh, and despite in this game, I didn't particularly think they were at their best, but they still were just relentless in their pressing and they're mm. just finding ways to create chances and break West Ham down constantly. I mean, whether it's combination play, through balls or from crosses, they just find, they have just so many uh, attacking threats and so many ways to play to, to create chances. Uh, I think what you said there is, is quite key. You didn't think they, were, they didn't look at their best. I think that is what is so scary because I think yeah, this, t- this, team, this team can be better. Because they've only just started learning how Jonas wants them to play. You know, no no team gets a coach within that the first not you know first training session. You know, it takes months of training and rehearsing and learning what the uh, you know the manager wants and learning his his movement, the movements he wants. You know, the, the formations, the philosophy. You know, it has to be coached over a long period of time. So I don't think this is Arsenal at their best. So what are Arsenal going to look like when they are at their best? When they are when they are you know fully trained in the school of Idable, what is that going to look like? And I, I think that's fascinating. Um, I do like the fact that we lost to Barcelona because I think that puts a ceiling. So we don't have these unrealistic expectations. I think that's what, that's a that's the aim. It's just a matter of getting there. And I've been blown away by obviously how quickly the players have taken on. You know, we saw. Um, Way back in August, we were you know we had the pre qualifiers and thinking, oh, would it be awful if after all the hard work we went out to you know, PSV Eindhoven or you know we get a bad draw in the playoffs and we end up drawing a team like you know Leon or, or Wolfsburg and thankfully we've gotten all the way through, we're in the group stage, um, and it's just it's just yeah it's just we turn up um, and we go and we win three or four nil it, it, it yeah it, it's just bonkers I do think. Part of that sort of that sort of shock is sort of helped by how bad we were last season, um, because of a variety of issues. It wasn't just saying we had bad players; we had obviously injury problems, we had COVID problems, um, we had the familiar faults of, of Joe against the big sides, um, you know, and that that did hold, held us back a lot. And obviously the cancellation of foot matches as well. Um, so I think there is there is a sort of a, a rebound. Um, this season uh, against that but I think last season we were worse than what we really are we really were um, this season I think the other side we're sort of better than uh, and that's uh, that's fun, better than we are should we say and um, I just hope we can keep this form going long enough to to bring the title back to um, Meadow Park so um, yes a very exciting North London derby <laughs> to come Um you know, we've beaten them already this season uh, in the FA Cup, um, uh, five five one six one. So uh, hopefully we can uh, we can do the same um, on on Saturday. Um, yeah, I'm just really sh- nervous and basically <laughs> shitting it for November twenty first. Uh, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> uh, but anyways, um, this is not a question, but I just have to write this down in the script. Uh, we just need to talk about Kim Little because her season has just been uh, outstanding so far. Uh, I really like how uh, 
Jonas Adewald is, is using her. I think you can see that she's a bit more further up the pitch and gets more involved. And she's just got the class really to, to score and assist and just being such a key part of the team. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Um, Kim Little, um, for me, she's one of the most underrated players in the league. Um, if she if she was English, um, she would be in the you know England team playing in the playing in the World Cups, playing in the Euros. The fact, unfortunately, <laughs> I think she I'm a, she's obviously proud to be Scottish, but um, the fact that she ended up playing for the Scottish team instead, um, unfortunately, means that with what happened to happen with Scotland, they didn't qualify for the Euros. They they struggled at the World Cup, and unfortunately, it's it's all sort of denied the world the chance to see Kim Little play, you know, in, in, in sort of brilliantly. I mean, she got to chance to play at the Olympics, and had she not gone off on an injury, she might have scored that penalty that unfortunately Caroline Weir missed. But no, her retiring from Scotland has definitely um, improved her game. Um, you know, she's been riddled with injuries over the last sort of few seasons. It's great to have her sort of fully fit and playing in a more advanced attacking role. Um, in fact, I'll Something I posted on the um, uh, on the Arsenal review, I was talking about this game, and someone made the note to say that um, she um, she reminds them of um, of Santi Cazorla, and I can sort of see the sort of similarities of the sort of the short player who who's great close control. Um, you know, she she has the strength to hold her defenders, but she can beat defenders with ease, as we saw with the first goal. Um, you know, she scores some spots, she sets up um, goals, she scores brilliant goals. Um, I, and I, I, do, I think, yeah, this this arrival from jo, uh, Jonas has sort of reinvigorated her, and um, it's 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 wonderful to see. I'd I'd never seen her play live um, like this. Um, this is the first, you know, since this season is the first time I've been able to go to the games and and watch them. And watching her control the game in in, in the midfield, um, it's just amazing. Um, it really is, and um, hope she can keep this form up. Um, because it's 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 a real pleasure to watch. I think she's got her fiftieth goal. Um, I think it's fifty WSL goal um, uh, against West Ham. Her second goal, and um, it's it's a, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a proud proud achievement for her, and uh, and just shows what an amazing player she's been. And she's obviously she spent time away from Arsenal. Yeah, you know, she was with us for a bit. She went to went abroad. Um, and just glad she's back. Um, and I think she's going to be a key part in hopefully our um, our, our, our league campaign. Definitely, it just feels like the shackles are off. Absolutely, uh, much like Beth Mead, much much like yeah, Beth. her too. Mm. Um, so we're just going to finish off this podcast by quickly talk about West Ham. I mean, they lost four 0 obviously. Uh, some news uh, in the past days that Adriana Leon is out with an injury. How do you think West Ham will will, will fare without her? Um, it, it, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, West Ham this season, I think, have done okay so far. Um, they've got obviously one of our players, Lisa Evans, in their ranks. Um, and they've got that brilliant result at Man City. Um, so I, I think they will do well. I mean, they're not going to be a team that's going to challenge for the top three, shall we say? They're going to be again like a like a Reading, um, um, like like um, yeah, like. Reading and, and you know, they're going to be mid-table. Aston Villa, sorry, like Aston Villa and Reading. They're going to be a mid-table side and um, I think they will be able to overcome that that uh, injury setback, shall we say. Um, it was good. Ollie, Ollie's done well with them. Ollie Hard has done well with them and I think they will 
pick up more points. This was not a game they were going to win, unfortunately. They gave, they gave us a scare at the beginning in the first five minutes. Um, you know, if things had gone slightly differently, they, they could have taken the lead and that could have put a different complexion on the game. But no, it was again, it was shut up shop and try and defend for 90 minutes and Arsenal were able to crack them open in the end. So, um, but no, I, I think they will, they'll be fine. Um, you know, they're, they're not going to challenge for Europe, but I think they will, they're not going to drop fall for the trapdoor either. They'll be fine. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, Leon is kind of a player that just has the, has pace and dribbling skills mm. and can cause very uh, unbalanced in in opposition defenses. But I also think that West Ham have good enough players to cope without her. Yes, I mean uh, they they were unbeaten until they played us since since they lost to I think it was to Brighton in the opening game of the season, which is slightly tainted because they got a player sent off. They had been unbeaten until they played us, so they they'd done you know reasonably well. Um, so um, yeah, I think that'd be fine. Yeah. Um, so will that that be the final word of of this episode of the podcast? Uh, thank you so much to to Adam for joining, um, and thank you to everyone for listening. Um, please go follow us on Twitter at Football Engine One, and we will be back uh, shortly with a new episode.